Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Author Eke. I am Travis, and we got Brian today. Uh, first of all, I would recommend you go check his website out. <laughs> That's the first thing I would say after you, of course, watch the uh, and listen to the podcast. So, Brian, I'm going to go ahead and let you uh, run with it from there. Sure. Yeah, my name is Brian Paoni. A lot of people mess up the pronunciation of the name because it's Italian, uh, but it's the E is the E is said at the end. So it's P-A-O-N-E. It's Paoni. Um, and my website's just my name.com. So Brian Brian with an I. And um, I, since seventh grade, had wanted to be a, an author. That was kind of like my lifelong dream. Um, oddly, I wanted to be an author um, and or a police officer. Um, and so I started both, writing. By the way, there's a lot that are both. <laughs> yeah. So, so yes. Yeah, so um, I am right now a retired police officer. I worked uh, in law enforcement for 16 years. So yeah, um, but that, that's kind of fast forwarding here. Um, yeah, yeah I, I wrote all through junior high and high school. Um, I went to college for criminal justice, got my degree. All of my electives were creative writing or so, you know, I kind of minored in the creative writing stuff. Um, and I got hired by a police department in 2002, kind of put the writing on the back burner, um, picked it up again. I decided to write my first novel because all the way up until then, I had only written short stories. Mm -hmm. Decided to write my first novel in 2006, um, which then it got published in 2007. And um, so I started, I kept writing and working as a police officer. My wife is in the military, so uh, every time we got stationed somewhere else, I would move and transfer and get hired on with the local department. Um, you know, I was a municipal uh, police officer um, most of my career. I did work for a sheriff's office in Georgia for 13 months mm -hmm. uh, before I moved over to the city police that was mm -hmm. in the county. Yep. And then um, I ended my policing career as of right now uh, with a two-year stint at uh, Marine Base Cherry Point PMO. So I uh, I did my last two years of you know working on an actual uh, being a police officer on a military base, which up until then I had never done. It always been city policing. Mm -hmm. um, and I consistently released novels as I was working as a as a police officer. Um, my wife and I, my wife got orders to Monterey, California in 2018, and it was that move where I kind of turned, prefer, proverbially and physically turned in my badge and my gun <laughs> uh, and decided to make the pen my, my full-time job. Um, my seventh overall novel was uh, released in June of this year, and I've already, I'm already deep into a couple chapters of what will be my next novel uh, that's going to come out early next year. Um, I'm not, I'm not a genre author, as you'll see if you check out my website. Um, as, as we were saying earlier, that they tell you you're supposed to write what you like to read. Fortunately, uh, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, um, I like to read everything from Stephen King down to Ernest Hemingway to Edgar Allan Poe, up to Sylvia Plath. So, I mean, what what do you do with that when they tell you you're supposed to write what you like to read? You know. So, um, I, every time there's a new book idea, it tends to be in a genre I've never dabbled in before. Um, well, that's interesting. Which, which is interesting. <laughs> it, there's pros and cons to that when it comes to marketing. Yeah. Um, marketing is a whole different animal of the publishing writing world. Um, I, I kind of one of my jokes is that if to be a professional author, uh, it's thirty percent writing and seventy percent marketing. 
I tell yeah. everybody the same thing. It's, it's yeah, two-thirds you know, of a pie. That's what it is. It like, is, it, it is. And there's so many new authors um, just starting out who, who think that um, their whole job is to just, you know, write the book and then it's going to sell itself or write the book and someone else is going to promote it or market it for them and there's no legwork. Even if you're traditionally published, even if you're traditionally published in this day and age, yeah. you have to have a social media presence. You have to be out there at the book festivals in the in the conventions with, at your booth selling your table. You can't you can't just sit back, you know, put your hands behind your head, recline, and just wait for the royalty checks to come in. Yeah. Um, we don't we don't live in that age anymore, mm-hmm. you know. Unless you're a household name, where every time you drop a book, a million copies get sold because of your name. It doesn't matter if you're self-published, indie-published, or traditionally published. I mean, you, there's there's a hustle that has to happen. Um, and so I find being a multi-genre author, um, I, I tend to – so so here's a really quick example. Um, I, I do most of the – I do all of the conventions in the area, um, in the D.C., Northern Virginia, Southern uh, Maryland area. Mm-hmm. Um, this year alone, I – think I've done, I'll have done 16 when the year is over. Um, and some of these are the big three-day conventions, the, uh, like Awesome Con and Galaxy Con. And I, yeah. I have booths at all of them and I do all the mini cons and everything. Yeah. Um, and if you're an author who only writes one in, in one genre, your job is both easier and harder at, at the conventions. It's easier because if someone walks by your table and you say, Hey, what do you like to read? Or, Hey, do you like sci-fi fantasy? And they say, yes, that's my favorite genre. And that's all you write. Well, then you can get them over your table and yeah. it's, it's easy. You're the work is almost done for you, right? Cause you've, because they've told you mm-hmm. that they like to read uh, your genre that you write. So yeah. I find that's, that's uh, easy. But if that's all you write and someone says, you know, Oh, I, I like horror and none of your books have any, anything to do with horror there's no amount of salesmanship that's going to get them to buy one of your books um, easily. Now right. there's always a possibility, but you're, I mean, you're, you're really struggling at that point. So you're overselling at that. Point. Yeah. You start to, and then you back, start sound, back, sound, back sounding away. like a used car salesman, right? Yeah, now exactly. it sounds like you're peddling something. Yeah. So those are the pros and cons of being a, a single genre author. The pros and cons for being someone like me, I have a, I have a, a straightforward horror novel. I have a time travel novel. Novel. I have a crime noir supernatural trilogy. I have a historical war uh, novel um, about uh, the the Falklands War in Britain in nineteen you know nineteen eighty two. So mm-hmm. uh, you know I'm all over the place. And, and the book that I'm working on now is um, I don't even know what genre it is. I'm calling it an on the run book, meaning that the, the main character has to go on the run by different groups of people who have realized he has certain information and now he's on the run. I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess it's a thriller, but it's not a crime thriller because it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's not like a, you know, Jack Reacher or or Lee Child type book, but the whole, the whole book's going to take place, you know, on on the run. So I, you know, I don't know if we call that action, but again, that doesn't fit into any of the other books I've written. Mm -hmm. So the pros and cons for me being at cons, being at conventions is the, con uh, of it is um i tend to not um i have to almost build my fan base with each book because right. i don't have like the sci-fi fan base built into my name yeah. or anything like that which one do you like but, to write uh which one do you enjoy writing more 
So I enjoy writing anything that is uh, on the darker side, the more macabre side, mm -hmm. uh, things that are more uh, Clive Barker, um, H.P. Uh, Lovecraft-esque. Mm -hmm. I really like the, the, the Twilight Zone. I call it the Twilight Zone stuff. I love writing Twilight zone -y things where it's not necessarily in-your-face horror, but it's unsettling and kind of on the darker side. You don't yeah. quite know why it makes you feel weird, but it does. Mm -hmm. um, okay. you know, I don't, I don't. Uh, so that's, that's what I enjoy writing. Um, even my time travel novel uh, and my novel about the Falklands um, has some dark tones to it. Um, so I think that's just naturally you know, how I write. I, I think my, uh, my first novel wasn't, uh, too dark. My second one, I'm about done now. It's a little darker. It's got a little, you know, you know, it's yeah. hard, you know, killing people off, like tough. Yeah, I, I think I like to see the. I don't want to say evil inside normal people, but I think yeah. I like to explore with my characters uh, them not always making the best decisions, right, or the most right. moral decisions, and then mm -hmm. the, what are the consequences of that when these are. Yeah everyday people where if you were put in that situation, you know, you kind of question, geez, I may have done the same thing, but I would never say it out loud because that's not what we should do. Right. You know, and I don't know if that's all my years, you know, working the streets as a police officer that or might have been. some, might be some little, ugly uh, things, but yeah, subconscious you know, rubbing off. There. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but yeah, but I, I, I tend while most of my stories um, you know, do have resolution and a somewhat of a happy ending. I, I, yeah. I do like to put my characters through the shredder before we right. get there. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, uh, so what what's the name of your latest book? So it's called The Post-War Dream. Yeah, and that's the one about a Royal Marine coming home from the Falklands. Now, the book, and whenever I say that, I, I, I'm always nervous I'm going to turn people away from reading the book because they're going to say, well, I don't know anything about the Falklands. I didn't even know that was a war. What do I care about the Falklands? That's, you know, that's, that's sad. Yeah, well, <laughs> but it happens. So I, know. I, 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 um, I kind of added into my elevator pitch for this book that the book is has nothing to do with the war whatsoever. It's about what his frame of mind when he comes back and tries to integrate back in society from his PTSD and his survivor guilt. Yep. You literally could take this character and have him come home from Vietnam. You could have him come home from the, you know, uh, the Iraqi war. You could have him come home yep. from really any war. I chose right. the Falklands because um, uh, it, it was a moment in time that uh, I, I found the war very interesting. Um, but at the heart of the book, it's not about the Falklands war, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, right. it's, about, it's a human story about him coming back into his neighborhood where people at the pub are trying to buy him drinks and they're clapping him on the back and calling him a war hero yeah. and inside he's he's torn up mm -hmm. um this is not a spoiler so i can kind of say it because it's revealed in the very beginning but he gets somebody killed on the battlefield by doing something that he was ordered not to do mm -hmm. so he comes home and that is the weight on his shoulders that he sure. cannot shake yeah. Um, they, the, they throw a block party for him, you know, to celebrate the winning the war and him coming home alive. And he winds up getting intoxicated way earlier than he should at the party and starts, yeah. you know, true feelings come out and starts getting belligerent. Um, he gets into a fist fight at a pub because someone is, uh, kind of, you know, is saying things he doesn't want to hear. So, right. um, and it also puts a, a strange re relationship 
with on him and his dad. His dad was vehemently against him joining the Marines and mm-hmm. then against the war. So when his son comes home, he doesn't welcome uh, welcome him with open arms. His dad actually gives him the silent treatment and the cold shoulder, um, which creates another conflict with the, right. with the main character. So now he can't even go home and have peace. Mm-hmm. Where home is supposed to be the place we go and have peace. Right. He can't even do that in the book. Okay. Um, so I really wanted to tackle the the kind of the PTSD and that survivor's guilt, hero's remorse. Um, yep. You know, when someone's waving a balloon and a flag in your face and, and with smiles and clapping you on the back, how it's destroying him inside each time mm-hmm. this happens. Right. And, and then yeah, it all I mean, comes to a head. That's and, an actual thing. That's, yeah. And, and you know, and then uh, you want to know what happens, read the book. But again, yeah. I put out there that you don't need to know a single thing about that war to enjoy the novel. And feel what he's going through yeah but i think that's a catchy title because people think what falcon tour i right. mean it was like the longest distance war ever fought right i mean you know eight thousand miles it's off the coast of argentina yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's considered the it's they they call it the gateway to antarctica yeah it's like it's unofficial yeah. name yeah, yeah. so I, 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 I used to work with somebody that she was in the royal air force that actually participated in the uh, falcon war Oh, cool. We, yeah. um, my wife and I flew to England and we got to interview 10 vets from the war in eight days. We did a whirlwind tour of England. Um, I had the whole schedule la- uh, mapped out and we interviewed everybody from enlisted Marines mm-hmm. all the way up to naval officers. We, I did the gamut. I, I wanted enlisted guys. I wanted the para, the army para guys. I wanted yeah. naval officers who were on the, sh- on some of those ships on the Sheffield when it got hit. Yeah. Um, but the, fir- the 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 biggest star um, was um, Brigadier Major General Julian Thompson invited my wife and I to his flat in London. Wow. The brigadier is the top dog of the ground forces. He's oh, wow. you don't go any higher than him. Right. I mean, he is the pinnacle of the war. I mean, he's the guy making all the decisions for the ground right. forces. Right, right. Um, and he we spent three hours in his in his uh, flat in London, and um, that was you know I I was almost oddly starstruck being in his presence you know because he was very uh, open and forthright and i asked him a couple hard questions about the war and he was very transparent and i left we flew home from england you know because i live in america um realizing that you know i i had i had just interviewed these actual people who had you know fought in the war and some of their stories were you know disgusting and bloody um, right. And I said, geez, you know, now I got a big task ahead of me. I'm an American novelist. I'm going to yeah. try to write about a British war. I don't know, you know, their dialect. I don't right, know their right. accent. You know, that that they're a little. It was it was a it was a hard it, it, from start tough. to finish. It took me four years. Oh, wow. Yeah. We, yeah. It took me four years to from start to finish to feel like I finally got the novel as correct as I could um by someone who isn't from there <laughs> yeah, i think that'd be <laughs> the know? toughest would be the dialogue and uh just the vernacular right yeah. and, and being yeah. able to really capture that it's... and and the pace and tone of those people i mean i've, I've met uh I've, I've been in the army 20 years or so and i've met a lot of you know generals and things and kind of figure out you know they like to have a beer they like right. <laughs> they right. like they, you know, they're not, they're just people, uh, yep. which is which yep. is cool. Um, yeah. But yeah. So what's on, what's kind of on your, uh, it's on the horizon. 
so I mean, like I said, I'm a couple chapters into this on the run novel I've uh, I've come up with. Um, my main character is as boring, as cardboard, as two-dimensional as I could make him on purpose. Yeah. I mean, he is literally the wallflower, the epitome of a wallflower, almost to the point where he's cliche. Uh-huh. But, but that device is, is being done on purpose because he's going to be uh, with somebody at the trigger incident of the novel who um, people are, are uh, groups of people are going to start going after the person he happens to be with. And by, you know, vicarious liability, he has to go on the run too. So here's this man who hates excitement, who doesn't even like mm-hmm. going out to social events with his wife. He's, mm-hmm. he's as bland as they come. He's now forced into this. Uh, well, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Judgment Night from the 90s, but it's almost like this. Uh, he's Yeah, he's 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 going to be on the run from like actual gangs, like street gangs. The mm-hmm. police are going to be after them. Um, and he's along for the ride uh, and he's got to survive and, and, you know, go along with it, um, you know, and so that's, that's what uh, you got to you know, pick your some... friends. You got to pick your, my mom would say pick your he, friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, so it's, yeah. So I just, I, you know, I think I know, I'm trying to explore, you know, what, what would be like if you took the most humdrum person imaginable and kind of threw them in this action sequence, you know, um, you know, and are, how, are, how are you? Can... Uh, are you? How are you published? Are you traditional? Or are you... Uh, Scout Media? No. Scout Media is the, the press. Um, okay. S- small press. Um, and um, the Scout Media has um, an author from England, a couple American authors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put out uh, put out anthologies um, that includes dozens of authors. You know, every mm-hmm. year. Right. Um, there's a there's a children's book uh published on Scout Media. So it's it's kind of all over, okay. over the pretty, thing. Um pretty diverse. Yeah, and then um and then you know, I, I have like I have four to five well I, I would say I have five solid ideas for the next handful of books mm-hmm. after this one. I just gotta decide what order I'm gonna write them in. Right. Um I, I, always, I, the, I leave my books open for Something what I what I did in the first book, I put three individuals to become a team. Mm-hmm. And now there's four. And I said, Well, I want to keep their I want to kind of have their presence. So they're actually gonna have a presence on the internet. They're gonna they're gonna have their own website and it's gonna be that's like cool. clandestine sort of thing. And yeah, you're gonna read their bios, you're gonna be able to see the missions, you're actually gonna be able to say, I would like to see this in the next book. So take what folks want to read and then write it. So it's and like a, it's like an interactive choose your own adventure. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I tell my wife about the books and everything. She just sits there and goes, how do you come up with this stuff? <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, I just think of something, but then I take that thought till it finishes. Right. Uh, or, or go another direction. So yeah. So I have one, I did this year. I have another one I'll be getting out uh, soon. And I already have, you know, what I want to do with the third one. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of debating whether to write a leadership book or kind of a, a personal kind of type book or another, you know, fiction. I think mine is more uh, historical fiction or, or mm-hmm. realistic fiction. Because mm-hmm. I tell people about the book, and they look at me, is this real? Like, right. Oh, it's good. Is this a true story? That's good fiction. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so I don't, I don't know if you do this, um, but a lot of times when I have a new idea um, where I just have just the idea, like this is the idea, mm -hmm. I will let it steep like like a cup of tea for yes. months before I even attempt to outline it. Because I feel the more I leave like a little egg in my brain with an idea, and mm -hmm. I, if I don't think too hard about it, it tends to bloom on its own yeah. you know, without me really. And I sometimes I think if we have just a slight little idea and we overkill trying to force making it work, then it feels like you force trying to make it work. Right. The book gets written, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree hundred percent. Yeah. So do you outline? So I, I do a hybrid pantsing to outline. Yeah. You know, I, it's funny. I was, I did a, um, I spoke at a writer's conference over the weekend um, in Fredericksburg and one of the other presenters there, she said she hates the word pantsing. She came up with a different, she used a different word that I thought was brilliant. And I wish I had written it down. Um, but there's another word out there for pantsing. Um, just, oh, discovery writing. Is that what she said, it, called it? Discovery because writing? as she writes, she discovers. Oh, see, I like that. I don't, I don't outline either. Yeah. I think that's what she calls it. Discovery, discovery um, writing, which I thought was a really cool way of putting it. But I do a hybrid where um, I know unequivocally how it's, get, how I want it to end. Yeah, I know for about 80% of what the second act, how the second act is going to kind of juggle. Um, but to get there, I pants it. I just, yeah. you know, I, I. So you brought up something very interesting. And you're the only other author that I've heard this other than myself. My my, my first book, because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't know. Yeah. So I did a little research. I said, huh. So I cut it into acts. Yeah. Act one, getting it all ready. Right. Act two, whatever, and three, right. finishing it. Right. And it really helped me get the book done because, you know, how big does act one need to be typically? 90 pages, act two, and then act three, right? So that really helped me. So I did, that's how I broke it down, uh, act and chapters. Mm -hmm. uh, and that really helped me for the, you know, for the first book. Yeah. That, I, I do that when I outline. I kind of yeah. split it into three. Um, and I would say only about 40% of everything in the three acts are outlined and the 60% yeah. is just left to chance. Yeah. I, I have a, a mind mapping program, you know, you put, you know, mind map things. I use that too. Cause if mm -hmm. I say I want to do something or a character has to do something, I have to make sure that I follow it up and he does what, what he said he was going to do. Mm. It, it, you have to come to that uh, the finale uh, yeah. of what they're supposed to do. And then it all right. kind of works in one way. So That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I am no, uh, uh, yeah, I had no, professional learning or teaching about uh writing say the least yeah i i tell you there's there's no wrong way to to yeah. you know pre-production on your book i mean if you sit down with a cursor write chapter one with nothing in your brain and you just start writing I, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that or the person who takes a year to outline it i mean yeah. everybody comes at it their own way you know yeah i agree yeah so. I mean, i've met a few i mean i do uh as a matter of fact about two, three weeks ago, I was in Northern Virginia at a eavesdrop. It's a, it's a brewery in Manassas. You ever get a chance, go. It's great. So I did a book signing there. And the reason I did, in April, uh, we were sitting, my wife and my son, and we were sitting there with some friends. I'd never been there before. And I'm like, and I'm finishing up my book. I was getting the ending of my book. I'm like, this is a perfect place to go and have a beer with the mm -hmm. team and relax. Mm -hmm. So I actually put it in the book. Every every place in my book you can go to, actually visit. 
Um, so I said, hey, I'm going to put you guys, you know, in my book. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They said, hey, let me know. So, you know, I let them know, hey, it's out. And I sent them a copy and everything. They go, hey, let's have a book signing. So, luckily, the weekend was fantastic about three or four weeks ago. And oh, so, I, we actually had a book signing there. I wish I had known. that. Manassas is only 20 minutes from me. I would have yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I don't know many people. I'll, I'll, and I'm pretty extroverted. So Yeah, I am <laughs> but, too. Uh, so, yeah. So, it was, it was really fun because, you know, I, you have to know your audience, right? You have to right. know who you're selling to. Right. Because you can go to these different... Uh, book signings or or different places and you walk in and you go this is not my crowd right like, immediately but, you can tell yeah, yeah but don't get discouraged you get, oh you don't sell a book or you sell one that doesn't this is this is a very iterative process about learning what you're doing with your book from pre-book book post book right right what do you do with that and they continually modify what you're doing like anything marketing and anything you modify, you've got to get an elevator pitch, right? Mm-hmm. You've, got, you've got to hook them quick. And, you know, a trailer, right? Like I do trailers for the book on video. Yes, on video I think that's about a minute, of what, yep. what a, like a commercial, right? That's right. all they are. Right. So I do those. But, you, you know, I, I tell them, you've got to market. You've got to understand keywords, right? You've got to be right. able to know, know your audience. And then that's what you go to. Just don't go to everyone because it's not going to pan out. Yep. Yeah, I um, I have I've gone and adjusted my keywords on on uh, Amazon for books that have been out for my older novels because uh, I feel the keywords that I was using uh, were exhausted. Yes, and they all you know. So I've gone and altered them just to try to you know help boost sales again. You know, there's, yeah. there's nothing that says that your keyword is. Um, finite etched in stone. It's, it's etched yeah, it's in stone. Not, it's not. It's <laughs> right. It's it's not like branded on the book itself. Yeah. You know. So yeah. I, I always say, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. There's no reason to manipulate it if if you're getting good sales and you feel you have the best keywords. But if you're on the fence with one or two of them, about once a year I go in and tweak. And these are books that have been up. That, I'm talking about older, like my 2010 yeah. novel. I still go in. But once a year, and maybe switch one keyword out with something else, yeah. Just to just to give it a little bit of you know uh, fluff, like fluffing the pillow, and you put yeah, it on the yeah. pillow for too many yeah. nights in a row, yeah, yeah. You know, and so I, I, you know, and I don't think a lot of people think of things like that, um, where you don't just because you release a book into the world doesn't mean that now you become stagnant. You know, it's right. it's you know it's uh it's not it's, static. Yeah, it, it, it's it, you know the the the. The book itself may be somewhat static, but right. the process of selling it is living. Exactly. Yes. Right? I mean, yep. you go out and look at you know what people are searching for in Google, related to what your genre is. Yep. And I guarantee you, that's what they're. That's the same thing they're searching in Amazon, yep. or Books a Million, or Barnes and Noble. Right? right. Because they they they've got they got how they search. Right. And you have to match how you, they yep. search to what you want them to find. I advertise heavily on Facebook and Amazon. I'm going to start getting into BookBub soon, but I, I spend a lot of time, a lot of energy and money on Facebook and Amazon ads. Yeah. And I kind of have in my to-do list that on the first of every month that I go in and completely refresh the ad, whether it's changing the keywords, changing the search words, changing my demographics, changing the age that I'm going yeah. after. I, I just refresh the every the first of every month. All of my ads get a get a, and that doesn't mean that I'm changing the, the image or the right. the typeset. 
Although sometimes I do, but I'm not, but that's not all the time. I just go in and and I steer the ad towards a different group of people, mm-hmm. and then I do that for a month, and then I steer the ad maybe over here to these types. You know, I'm right as opposed to you know throwing every keyword under the sun in the in one ad and then sitting back and seeing what it does. You know, it's just a little bit of tweaking. You right. know, it's like a I don't know, like a periscope, you know, just yeah, going to look over yeah. here and I'm going to look over here. That's, you know, that's right AB, AB, AB marketing, right? Yes. That's AB it. marketing. AB yeah. marketing. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this, yeah, I've done a little bit. I've done a lot of advertising and I need to do that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I took a unbelievably good masterclass called um, ads for authors and it's run by Mark Dawson. Um, and he's a traditionally published author who, let his contract expire and then is now just self-published and he's mm-hmm. making more money self-published than he was traditionally. Um, and he puts out these masterclasses and I've taken every single one and he has little tidbits in them that you wouldn't think to do if no one was guiding you. Right. You know? Right. You know, yeah. So. I, I like, I, I take some of these and I you know, bought the program to, for keywords and you know, how much does a keyword sell and the, right. You know, genres and a bunch of other stuff uh yeah it's definitely you know there's a lot of tools out there that i didn't know was out there when i started writing my book but now i know they're out there i yep. use them you know what i yep. mean like religiously yep. uh just to make sure well any any parting uh advice uh to the folks or you know go ahead you know you gotta, you gotta cover the book let's see it let's uh promote yourself oh yeah i i can grab a cover of the I yeah. didn't think to have that ready. <laughs> Hold on. You know what? I can, I think I can, let me just bring this. Yeah. So while I'm bringing this up, um, I would say my parting words are just remember that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. And I think I'll, some new authors um, get discouraged or get um, overwhelmed. I think overwhelmed mm-hmm. is probably the better word. Um you know, with all the social media presence and the marketing and, you know, they say, well, why can't I just write the book? You know, just don't get overwhelmed. It's yeah. one step at a time, you know, and I'm going to, yeah, that's, that's the new book. That's the one we were talking about. And um, so does anybody know why those red flowers are important? Oh, what are they called? Uh, poppies. Poppies. That comes from World yes. War One. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, do you want me to answer? Or do you? Yeah, no, I want you to answer. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> So, yes, the poppy uh, is what is handed out on Remembrance Day, which is mm-hmm. usually in November, which is uh, the British's version of our Veterans Day. And they wear a uh, paper poppy on their lapel, yep. um, which signifies uh, peace, the hope of peace and remembrance of the fallen soldiers. So when we were designing the front cover, I knew that I absolutely wanted poppies on the front cover and the you know, so we have the field of real poppies, um, but then we have the the marine holding a paper poppy that would be attached to the lapels on Remembrance Day, and it's on fire, and that is sig- supposed to signify what's going on inside of him, uh, his turmoil. Uh, the paper poppy it represents his emotions and mental state throughout the book. Interesting. That looks nice. I like that. Thank you. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, it has been great having you on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Next time I'm in Northern Virginia, I'll give you a buzz, grab a beer. Yeah, sh- shoot me an email. You have my email yeah. address. Shoot me an email yeah. and I'll come down and meet you for, seriously, I'll come down meet oh, you for a drink. I'll or, drive around. So yeah. where can everybody get a hold of you at? So you can get a hold of me uh, through my website again, brianpayoni.com. 
B-R-I-A-N-P-A-O-N-E.com. Um, any book sold uh, from my site, I sign them automatically. So if you want an autograph copy, just buy them right from my site. And But they are also available worldwide in every bookstore, uh, you know, every online bookstore. And all of my novels are available as paperback, ebook, and audiobook. So if you're someone that likes to listen rather than read, I am on yeah. Audible, I am on iTunes, I am on Chirp, I am everywhere where they sell audiobooks. I am um, I'm a wide release author. I'm not, uh, you know, Kindle Unlimited or mm -hmm. Audible Unlimited. So I, you know, you if if you like getting your audiobooks from, you know, anywhere, um, you know, or your ebooks from Barnes and Nobles, Books a Million, um, you know, Kobu. Every I don't know if I say that right. You know, I see that word in print so much, but I don't even know if I say it right half the time. That, you know, <laughs> I say a lot of words wrong, so don't worry about it. I, I know it sounds weird coming out of my mouth because I usually only see it in print, so I'm not. I don't say the word very often, but I probably said it wrong and just pissed that off a bunch of people. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> well, great, Brad. It's been a, a, a pleasure meeting you. You too, sir. Best of luck, and uh, I look forward to talking you to you again. Perfect. Have a Thank good you. day. Thank you. Right. Bye, Bye, everybody.